Welcome to the Whitewater Podcast. Stay tuned at the end of the message for church resources and more information about Whitewater. For now, let's dive into this week's message together. Grandma Chris got Novella, my daughter, hooked on birds. Chris has been a big Autobahn fan. She's always going around looking at birds. She's a birder. And my daughter has been studying the different books that she has, and she's been going on trips, learning about all the different kinds and varieties of birds. When we're driving now, my, you know, my daughter will be like, oh, there's a, there's a, a swallow, there's a shrike, there's a woodpecker, and she just sees birds all over. And so her grandma got her these binoculars so that she could become a birder. And uh, I remember when she first got those binoculars, we went out and she wanted to see birds. And I, I said, hey, there's a big bird out there. You can see it like right on the, on the branch. You know, I don't know the name of it. It's a big bird. And so she looked at it with the binoculars and she's like, I can't see it. And she put them up again. She's like, this isn't working. And I looked down and I was like, oh, one second. And I flipped those binoculars and I said, now look. <laughs> she was looking through the binoculars the wrong way. Welcome to Whitewater. This is a place you can belong before you believe. And we believe everyone's on a spiritual journey, and we want to help you take the next steps that are right for you. We've been in a series, it's a three-week series, and we're looking really at three types of stories that we need, I think, to, to learn to tell so that we can walk in healthy ways on our journey. The first story is a story of loss, the second story, story of life, and the third story is a story of the reality that God is with us. Last week, we looked at the story of loss, and this week... We're going to be looking at how Jesus helps flip the binoculars so that we can begin seeing life beyond the loss. Loss is a town that we need to visit sometimes, but we don't want to make it our hometown. And so let's, let's jump back into the story of this journey with Jesus. We're starting the story with two disciples of Jesus leaving Jerusalem after Jesus' death on the cross at the hands of the religious leaders and the Romans. And in verse 15, we'll pick up our story. It says, Jesus himself arrived and joined them on their journey. I love that picture. Like on the dusty road to this place called Emmaus, about seven miles outside of Jerusalem, Jesus joins his disciples on their journey. But it says in verse 16, they were prevented from recognizing him. They didn't know it was him. They thought he was dead. He was gone. Verse 17, he said to them, what are you talking about as you walk along? They stopped their faces downcast. The one named Cleopas said, are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who is unaware of the things that have taken place there over the last few days? He said to them, well, what things? And then they began their story of loss. They said to him, the things about Jesus of Nazareth, because of his powerful deeds and words, he was recognized by God and all the people as a prophet. But our chief priests and our leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the one who would redeem Israel. Just stopping for a moment. This word redeem is the language of Passover and Exodus. This is pulling a story from ancient times. This is a story of Jewish significance where the people of God were enslaved by Egypt and the Passover, the Exodus time, was the moment when God began freeing his people onto a freedom journey out of Egypt, out of slavery. And so they're saying, we thought Jesus was going to lead a new Exodus 
from the Roman government, from the oppression that we're under. We had hoped that was the case, but we were wrong. All these things happened three days ago. Verse 22. But there's more. Some women from our group have left us stunned, like shocked. They went to the tomb early in this morning and didn't find his body. They came to us saying that they had seen a vision of angels who told them that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found things just as the women had said. There was no body. Jesus wasn't there. But they didn't see him. So interesting that they're telling this story to Jesus, and yet they can't see him. The disciples are walking in this season of loss, in this story of loss, and they start pouring out their heart. It's so important to be able to express our loss and grief. I think it's really fair that like they're upset. They don't know what to make of the stories they've heard and what they saw and what they know, and the disappointment and the bitterness. You can kind of feel that bitterness welling up with them. We thought we were going to be redeemed or freed from this world that's so broken and, and, and everything's fallen apart. And, you know, you can't blame them for feeling that way. And I, I, th- I think in our losses, sometimes we can begin to let bitterness creep in. We can let bitterness cause us to blame others or to walk away from the dearest and deepest friendships we have, to blame other people, to blame circumstances, to blame maybe groups of people. Like this blame starts to come up in bitterness. But I think it's so amazing. Jesus begins in this story to reframe their story of loss into a story of life. He flips the binoculars. Check this out. Then Jesus said to them, you foolish people. They they don't recognize it's Jesus, but he goes, you foolish people. They're kind of insulted. You can see them like, what do you mean we're foolish? Your dull minds keep you from believing all that the prophets talked about. Wasn't it necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And then he interpreted for them the things written about himself, written about Jesus in all of scriptures, starting with Moses and going through all the prophets. What an amazing Bible study. I'm a pastor, so I kind of geek out on stuff like that. I bet this is probably one of the best Bible studies ever. I wish I could go back and kind of like listen in. But what we see is Jesus begins changing their perspective, reframing their perspective so that they can move into a story of new life. Later in the story in verse 32, there's a moment of recognition that this is Jesus with them. We'll get a little, we'll get into that next week. But in verse 32, it says, they said to each other, weren't our hearts on fire when he spoke to us along the road, along the journey, when he explained the scriptures to us? Jesus reframes their loss into life. Jesus shifts the grief into a story of glory. And he does it through scripture. So how does Jesus flip the binoculars and shift the perspective to a new story? It's really important. Starts off again in verse 25. He says, you foolish people, you've got dull minds and they keep you from believing. Like, why does he say that? He says it because they're looking through the binoculars the wrong way. They can't see the bird. They can't see the whole story because of that. N.T. Wright sheds light on this story this way. He says, They had been seeing it as a long story of how God would redeem Israel from suffering. But when Jesus comes in, it instead became a story of how God would redeem Israel through suffering. The suffering which would be taken onto himself, Jesus, 
by Israel's representative, the Messiah. So like there's this reframing of the story that they thought, oh, we're going to be saved from suffering. But then Jesus is helping them see like God was redeeming Israel, their people, through suffering, through his suffering as the Messiah. And he brings them through the whole scriptures to see this, opens their eyes, opens their hearts to new possibilities. So I want to show you three ways, at least three ways, that Jesus helps reframe their story through the scriptures. Check this out. Jesus uses scripture as a spotlight. It's a spotlight to point to himself. It says in verse 27, then he interpreted for them all the things written about himself in all the scriptures, Moses going through the prophets. Now, in case you didn't know, the Jewish Bible is organized differently. The old te- What we would call the Old Testament for Christians. The Old Testament is the Jewish scriptures and they're organized into three sections. These three traditional divisions of the Hebrew scriptures are called the Tanakh. It's an acronym made from the first Hebrew letter of each of the Masoretic texts, each of these sections. And so the Torah is the first, the second is the Navim, and the third is the Ketuvim. So the Torah is the teachings of Moses, the Navim is the prophets, and the Ketuvim is the writings. And that's how it was divided. So Jesus goes through all of those, and Jesus reveals to his disciples how all of these scriptures are pointing to him, that the greatest meaning and the greatest focal point of these scriptures is himself. It's Jesus. This is similar to the end of Matthew, the book of Matthew, where Jesus says, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me, not to our Bibles, but to Jesus, not to our traditions, but to Jesus. And at the end of Luke, we see this similar story where Jesus is saying, all of the scriptures They point to me. They're signs about my coming, about my life, my death, my resurrection. It's about Jesus' story, God's greatest revelation that Jesus, his son, God is with us. So Jesus' disciples, their eyes are being opened to how the resurrection was predicted in scriptures. There's prophecy about this. And they're they're learning more and more about how the scriptures all point to Jesus. Well, how did they miss it? Well, they don't see that Jesus was in the scriptures all along, and they don't see Jesus next to them either, because they've been reading the story the wrong way. They've been looking at it from the wrong angle. Jesus is flipping the binoculars. And I want you to notice how important scripture is in this story, how important it is to Jesus. Jesus isn't just throwing the scripture away. It's not important. It's really important because the scriptures are a sign that point to Jesus and the resurrection and God's new kingdom that's healing and restoring our world. The scriptures are the binoculars. They're the things that help us see, like my daughter, see the bird. We don't fall in love with the binoculars that are helping us see the birds. Like we love the birds. That's the point. And we don't fall in love and worship the scriptures. We fall in love with and worship Jesus. It's just a very important distinction. Here's the second way Jesus flips the binoculars and reframes the story. Jesus sees scripture as a fire, a fire to turn up the heat of their hearts. In verse 32, it says, the disciples say, weren't our hearts on fire? When he spoke to us along the road and when he explained the scriptures, like like all of a sudden our hearts quickened and, and like something happened, something changed in us. And the scriptures are designed to help change us and to like set our hearts on fire, help us to see new ways of being and living and God at work in the world. If your heart has, hasn't been on fire and feels kind of cold, 
Is it possible that we've been reading the scriptures from the wrong lens or the wrong way, or maybe not reading them at all? We often need to come back to Jesus and read the scriptures in his presence and let him light our hearts on fire. The third way Jesus reframes and flips the binoculars is this. Jesus used the whole story of scripture as a window, as a window to reframe reality. It's like we're looking at it like this and then there's this reframe that happens. It shifts the story. And Jesus does this by connecting the big story of scripture to the big story of Jesus to their personal story. And I love there's almost this rhythm of of life to text to life or the big story of Jesus to our personal story back to the big story. And there's this rhythm I think is important in our life, like that we need to come to the scriptures, but we need to bring our life to them. The grief, the good, the hard, the the confusing, we bring that to the big story and then we come back to our story and we just go back and forth. And and Jesus reframes our life and the scriptures reframe our life uh, through Jesus in this way. This shift reminds me of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, where it says, for the joy that was set before him, Christ endured the cross, scorning its shame. Jesus saw past the cross, past the shame and embarrassment and pain and death, and he looked to the joy, the joy of creating a family of of friends, of you and me, uh, the joy of being reunited with his heavenly father, the, the joy of redeeming not just people, but our whole world, the whole cosmos, the whole universe, the new kingdom of God. It was for joy that Jesus did this. And he's walking along his disciples saying, you guys don't get it. You got to open your eyes. You got to realize that there's there's a new life. There's a new joy that's coming. Wasn't it necessary, Jesus said, for the Christ to, to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? He's saying, wasn't it necessary for, for the Christ, myself, to die on the cross and then come back through resurrection? And then verse 27, he interpreted for them all the things written about him in all the scriptures. So the story shifts from they crucified him, but we had hoped he would redeem or free Israel. And it shifts all of a sudden to they crucified him. And that was how he redeemed and freed Israel. I mean, that is a fundamental shift. Like their minds and hearts, everything is changing. What they thought was this huge loss in their life is shifting to, whoa, no, this is how God broke down the door of Satan, sin, and death, defeated evil, and opened the possibility for a whole new world that's redeeming and healing the brokenness that we all live in. In this powerful story, we see these disciples moving from the place of pain speaking and sharing their story of loss with Jesus, with each other, having a real spiritual conversation, and then allowing Jesus to use scripture and, uh, and his voice, his love, to move them from that loss into a story of life. Maybe you could take a moment of reflection to think about maybe areas of loss that you're moving from and through, and how could you invite Jesus, and how could you maybe invite the stories of Jesus to help you move from that place of loss and that story of loss into a story of life. Thanks again for joining us this week. 
At Whitewater, we believe in creating an environment where you can belong before you believe. If you want to learn more about who we are and what we believe in, visit us at our website, whitewaterchurch.org. If you'd like to contribute to Whitewater financially, you can give online at whitewaterchurch.org give. Or if you want to get involved in blessing our communities or are interested in joining a home church, email us at info at whitewaterchurch.org. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time.